Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. I have realized that I am not near what I should be, and I'm not near where I'm going by praying these prayers. And if these prayers, anytime you're before the face of God, you should find something where, that you're lacking in. Because you're in the presence of the holy. Amen? And so that's what we've been praying. We've been praying these prayers for personal revival, humility, perfected love, obedient heart, which has just jacked me all up last week, and increased fruitfulness, which is what we're going to talk about this week. And so what I want to do is I want to take the time before we get started and just recap all of those sermons, but I'm not going to. Instead, I'm going to do something else. Instead of recapping all those prayers, I'm going to talk about a single truth that is run through every one of these lessons. And I have referenced it at some point in each of the previous four sermons. And that is a, an, the idea of intimacy. You cannot have personal revival without being intimate with God. You can't walk in humility without intimacy with God. You can't have perfected love without intimacy with God. You can't be obedient without intimacy with God. And we surely can't be fruitful without intimacy with God. Amen? And so I want to talk about intimacy more than I want to talk about anything else today. And show through that teaching on intimacy that when we go to the Lord in prayer and from an intimate position, we increase in our fruitfulness. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I believe it's the intimate relationship with Jesus that separates those who belong to Him and those who do not. I can prove this to you in Scripture. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, lies the probably the most uncomfortable text in all of Scripture for me personally. And if you'll listen, probably to you too. Not everyone who says to me, this is Jesus talking, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Most people are familiar with this text, right? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father who is in heaven will enter. Let's talk about obedience again. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I have never, I have never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now let me get this straight. These people have done some incredible things in the name of the Lord. They've declared the name of the Lord. They have said that Jesus Christ is Lord, I'm assuming according to Romans 10, 9, that they declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, believe in their heart, God raised Him from the dead. They've made this declaration by saying, Lord, Lord. They have been obedient to do what He says. 
and even did some pretty miraculous things. Prophesied in, their, in his name. Cast out demons in his name. And performed miracles in his name. These are no small feats. But even then, even though they were obedient, even though they had declared Lord, even though they had declared and done these three things, Jesus has a, has a response to them that we wouldn't expect to hear. We would expect to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, because I've done everything that you've told me to do. But still we hear Jesus say, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. How is this possible? Because it's possible to declare the Lord, it's possible to be obedient, and it's possible to do the acts of Christianity without being intimate with God. We have to recognize that our ability to be fruitful truly comes from intimacy. An intimacy with a relationship, an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And so because that's the case, my plan was originally just to talk to you about um, the elements of prayer and how we become fruitful in our prayer. But because of this, let me tell you, I wrestled with this. I got the last sermon done last week, like the sermon I preached last week. I got done three weeks ago. And I thought, man, I'm ahead of the power curve. I got three weeks, I can study that one, I can memorize it, I can do it, and in that amount of time, I'll, I'll spend, you know, a couple days, a week, writing this one, I'll have a couple weeks ahead before I go to my dad's house. You know when I finished this sermon? Last night. I told Angela, I said, I need my laptop. I'm laying in bed last night about 11.30 because I couldn't get my head around that fruitfulness and it's right there but sometimes the holy spirit just lets you sit at the end of your rope before he finally gives it to you so that you have to pursue him and he told me essentially you just have to be intimate first you can't be fruitful if you're not intimate you can't be fruitful if you're not in relationship can you hear what i'm saying you can't be any of the things we've talked about. You can't expect results from the dangerous prayers that you've prayed if you haven't been willing first to be intimate. And I want to prove that to you today out of John 15, 1 through 11. I'm going to read the whole text, but I'm actually only going to teach from 4 to 6 through 4 and 6. It says, I am the true vine. And my father, the vine dresser, every branch in me, this is Jesus talking, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What can you do? Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete, or made full. Amen. So I want to talk about verses 4, 5, and 6 to talk about how it's necessary that if we're going to be fruitful, we have to be intimate. The first point I want to make is out of the first verse, the verse 4. It says this, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. The first point I want to make today out of this verse is, you must abide. And you're all, man, no kidding. I just literally heard you say that 11 times in that text. John used that word 11 times. I think 64 times he uses that word in his gospel. He was fond of the word. But what does it mean? Because we all know religious words, but we don't sometimes understand what those religious words mean. I could talk to you about propitiation and righteousness and redemption and uh, even abiding. And we say, yeah, 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 in church because we don't want to look stupid. So we don't want to ask anybody how, what those words mean. And we end up leaving just as ignorant as we walked in. So let me tell you what abide means. Abide just means to rest. We have to rest in the Lord if we're going to be fruitful. But it's not a lazy rest. It's not just some rest like you're hanging out in the shade next to the water at the beach listening to the birds sing it's a tenacious rest it's a tenacious rest that grabs a hold and doesn't let go regardless of the situation it's a tenacious rest had a guy tell me he goes you can't say tenacious and rest at the same time sure you can because i tenaciously rest in the love that i have for angela I grab a hold of it. I don't let it go. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. I'm not going to let it go. Regardless of the lusts of the flesh, nothing is bigger than the love that I have for her, the rest that I find in her. And so I'm going to tenaciously love her. And we should tenaciously rest and love the Lord that we serve. We should pay attention to the love that we have for God. So many of us have this almost weak, flim-flam, mealy-mouth, I'm sure there's some other southern term I could come up with, understanding of what it means to rest, sitting in your hammock, chewing on a straw. This is not the rest you need. You need to grab a hold of God. You need to grab a hold of God through Christ Jesus and say, it doesn't matter what's going on in my world. It doesn't matter the lust of the flesh, what I see with my eyes, what I feel in my body, I'm going to hold on to what God gave me. I'm going to rest in what God gave me because I know what God gave me is worth being tenacious over. We have to be a tenacious people. So that's what I want us to understand. Tenacious. Tenacious. I was going to say tenacity and I got those two words mixed up. Tenacious. Rest. But not just a tenacious rest, 
The only way that we can have a tenacious rest is if we have a focused rest. And that focus being on Christ Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith. You can't rest if you don't know the person you're resting in. He is the author and finisher of your faith. You know what that means? When people write a book, they send it, I'm the author, and I send it to a finisher, which is an editor. And the editor actually finishes the book. Does all the corrections, makes sure everything is okay. Do you know we serve a God that both wrote your book and perfected your book? As long as you keep your focus on the writer and the author, the author and the finisher, that's beautiful. All we have to do is trust and be sure and hold on tenaciously to the fact that his intent, his desire, is to author and finish the book in us. Otherwise, we're going to end up being double-minded. I'm going to keep my focus on Jesus over here until this catches my eye. What does the Bible say about the double-minded? The Bible says that a double-minded man ought not expect to receive anything from God. And rightfully so. Why would a God that gave you everything be willing to accept half of what you have? And so our, our rest has to be tenacious. It not only has to be tenacious, it has to be focused. And when it is those two things, it is peaceful. But not until it is to those two things. How is rest peaceful? Let me tell you why I have peace in my rest. I have peace in my rest because I know that I belong to God through Christ Jesus. I know that He is unshakable and because I belong to Him, I am unshakable. That it doesn't matter what's going on in Seattle, even to the point of my own death, my better days are yet to come. Your better days are yet to come. Not because of anything that you did. Not because of anything that you could do. Except for make declaration of Jesus Christ. So we just rest. Peacefully. Recognizing that the relationship we have with God through Christ Jesus. Sees us through all things. We have to abide. We have to rest. Tenaciously. Focused on Jesus in a way that brings us peace. Are we doing that? I think more often than not, many of us would say no. I talk to people all the time. I don't have the peace I should have. I know the Bible says that I can have peace, but I, I'm struggling in my peace here. What am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do about this or that or the other thing? You might have an intimate relationship with Jesus, but it's not as intimate as it can be because you're still worrying. The Bible says we don't have to worry. Birds don't worry. Flowers don't worry. And you're more important to God than flowers and birds. So what do we worry for? Check your intimacy. Ask yourself, am I abiding in God? I have peace 
because of the truth of John 14.6. The truth of John 14.6 says what? For I am the way, the truth, and the life. Which is to say I am the reconciliation between you and the Father. I am the revelation of who the Father is. And I am the regeneration of your soul. And if that, if that can't bring you peace, that should bring you peace. We are called to abide regardless of whether we initially see fruit or not. And I know that just messed somebody up. We should start seeing fruit immediately. You should start progressing fruit immediately. But you may not see it or recognize it for quite some time. But you know what your job is to do? You know what my job is to do? Keep pushing towards fruit. Keep abiding knowing that fruit will come or the Bible is a lie. I had a conversation with a buddy of mine many years ago. I had been saved maybe about a year and his name's Brian Jones. He runs a barber shop in Mount Juliet. He was a Sunday school teacher and one of our neighbors. And I told him, I said, listen, I just gotten saved. And when I got saved, my, I got saved different than I see a lot of people getting saved. Not better, just different. I was, I was born again with a fire that just needed to know as much as I could know. And so I, brought, I called him. I said, Brian, I, I've been watching you. And I need to take you to lunch. Can I take you to lunch? I'll buy your lunch somewhere. So we went to lunch. And he said, so what do you need? I said, I want to know how you do what you do. He said, what do you mean? I said, man, he goes, I said, every time you talk, every sentence that you make, you say such and such and such and such according to the word versus so and so and so and so. I said, I hear that 15 times coming out of your mouth. Every time that we talk, how do you do that? You know what he told me? Man, that just takes time. He said, I can't teach you that. That takes time with the Holy Spirit. That takes time in abiding with God. That's part of that tenacity that we were talking about. The holding on and not letting go. You want to get where you're not, recognizing that where you're not isn't where you should be? You need to, re you need to have that tenacious abiding that allows you to stay the course even when you don't see fruit. You know, most vines or most branches don't bear fruit for three years. It takes three years to produce usable fruit from a, from a branch off a vine. I, I say that to say this. If you don't see fruit, if you don't see yourself progressing as, fastly, as fast as you think you should, Keep doing it anyway. God has called you something great to gr something greater than your own comfort. Keep pushing fruit. Not only does it have to bear fruit, it has to be dependent. Verse fifteen five, I am the vine; you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Isn't that interesting? 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. This isn't actually part of the teaching, but the incredible part of this is if apart from him you could do nothing, that means those that are already apart from him, they can't do anything against you. Did you catch that? I just gave you a whopping promise from the word of God right there. And some of y'all did to just let it get by you because you're not abiding right. <laughs> if you can't do anything without him, that means those without him can't do anything to you if you are in him. Stop worrying about the world, what the world thinks about you. Stop worrying about the, the problems and the situations and everything that's going on in the world. I've made a commitment, to, unless I just absolutely have to, to not talk about the details of what's happening in our world. You know why? Because I think this, the phrase, the details happening in our world is as much glory as I'm willing to give the enemy just so I can save God's bigger. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren what's going on in the world but i need you to understand that whatever it is god is bigger and so if you can't do anything separate from him and you are in him that means you can do those things and anybody that comes against you can't do anything against you so it doesn't matter what's going on in the world it doesn't matter what your finances look like it doesn't matter if your situation in your family is jacked up right now if you will abide if you will tenaciously in a focused way abide in Christ Jesus you'll find the peace that you're looking for this is the truth of the word of God does anybody hear me I'm trying to speak as plain today as I can because this is important this is the most important thing that we can talk about in this whole series because nothing that we've talked about in this series is possible unless we have an intimate relationship with Jesus. We have to abide, and in that abiding, we have to be dependent. There's a the technical name for growing, cultivating, and harvesting fruit is called viticulture. And you're all, man, I'm glad I learned that today. But let me tell you why I'm telling you the name of it. Because it's the science of how that branch and fruit and vine grows. Every other plant on earth, on earth, pulls its nutrients from the ground. Do you know where a branch pulls its nutrients from? Nowhere. It's the only plant in all the world that the vine pushes nutrients into the branch. Think about that. God knows exactly what you need. And is so willing to give it to you, he's not even asking you to struggle for it. He's giving it to you. He sees you where you are. He recognizes your need, and he's giving you everything you need to produce fruit. He's given you, he has already given you everything that you need in Christ Jesus to produce fruit. Stop trying to pull something from the ground and just rest. Let the vine push what you need into you. And watch your fruit grow. But you have to be dependent 
to do it. You have to be dependent to trust it. Number three, the branch must be fruitful. Must be dependent, must be fruitful. If nothing can be done without him, I'm sorry, John 15, 6 shows the terrible, inevitable consequence of not submitting and abiding to the vine. If anyone does not abide in me, please listen to the weight of these words. I got everybody's attention. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. This is a process. Can I, can I walk you through the process of pruning for a moment? In verse 1 it says, I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. So we, we understand that, that Jesus is the vine, he, his father, God is the one that makes sure that it's healthy and is everything that it's supposed to be. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So what does that sound like? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. It means he cuts it off, right? No. Why would he cut it off before it has a chance to bear fruit? If you'll look this particular word up, it means the vine dresser in the vine dressing process picks the vine up out of the ground where it is dropped and it cleans it. This is what it means to take it away. Which is exactly what Jesus Christ did with the shedding of his blood. He took the branch off the ground and cleaned it. Which is the reason why the next verse, which seems so odd otherwise, is true. You've, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Listen, your branch is, al your branch is already clean. The vine dresser has already picked it up because of the word that I've spoken to you and your acceptance of it. And then he goes on, abide in me, abide in me. And if anyone does not abide in me, then he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire. And they are burned. They will produce no fruit. And in producing no fruit. They will be forever removed and burned. I did a sermon and it's sad. I actually think about preaching it again. I don't do that typically. But it was the first Sunday that we were all gone, separated from each other during this shutdown. Called Hell Yes. And in that sermon I said these two truths. Hell is real. And hell is for anyone that doesn't accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And it's not only those two things, but it's hot and it's eternal. There's no getting away from it. When the vine doesn't produce fruit and it's cut away and it's burned, this isn't some thinly veiled analogy. He's telling you that the destruction of the unfruitful is certain. 
Does your fruit save you? No. But your fruit proves that you were saved. You can't taste grace and not at some point produce some fruit. Does everybody understand that? It's called Christ-likeness. What is fruit producing? Fruit producing is anything that shows that you're growing in Christ-likeness. And so if five years from now, you get saved today, you make a, well, let me correct that, you make a declaration of Jesus at an altar, five years from now, you're the exact same person, degenerate, degenerate that you were five years before that. Your fruit proves that this never happened. So it's not your fruit that saves you. I need you guys to hear this. Some of y'all going to think I'm talking about a checklist to keep you good. What I'm telling you is that your fruit and evidence of it proves your salvation. It doesn't save you. Everybody okay with that? Okay. But we must be fruitful or we will be forever removed and burned. It's the final dresser's final action taken against the unfruitful branch. We must bear fruit because fruitfulness is a product of righteousness. Just what I just said. Fruitfulness is a product of righteousness. You can't be righteous and not produce fruit. We prove this to you in Scripture, Romans 7, 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may be joined to one another to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. He's saying we were brought into relationship with one another in Christ Jesus, so that we might bear fruit. It's a dangerous prayer. Because it requires something of us. To produce fruit. Guys, what, what is produced fruit? Like I said, it's, it's anything that draws you towards Christ-likeness. I've got some examples here scriptural. If you want to write the verses down, I didn't, I didn't have them put them on the board. Converts are fruit. When I go out and proclaim the gospel and someone gets saved, that's fruit before God. That's Romans 1.3. Praise is the fruit of my lips. It's Hebrews 13, 15. Giving is fruit. That's Romans 15, 26 through 28. Godly living is fruit. That's Hebrews 2, 12, 11. And the holy attitudes, the fruits of the Spirit, are fruits, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But not only are we supposed to bear fruit, we're supposed to grow in fruitfulness. So how do we grow in fruitfulness? 1 Peter 2, 2 says, Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. There are marks of increased fruitfulness, and I've done the same here. Deeper love for God's word is a mark of increased fruitfulness. When I first got saved, I read this Bible two minutes at a time. It was, honestly, man, it was, what would you do for a Klondike bar? When I was done after two minutes, I was sweating. 
but the more fruitful I became, the more intimate I became, the more I wanted and desired God's word because you're going to get an appetite for what you consume. Greater obedience, according to John, 1 John 2, 3 through 5. And enlarged faith, according to 2 Thessalonians 1, 3. Greater love, according to Philippians 1, 9. God calls us to abide. Because in abiding, there is intimacy. In intimacy, there is righteousness. And fruit is a byproduct of righteousness. And the fruit that we bear should always be increasing. I know that's a challenge, right? When should it stop increasing? It should never stop increasing. That's one of the things, and I, I know I talk him up from the stage a lot, but it's, I love him. Brother Leonard has a almost a newfound passion for God that you see from somebody that just got saved a couple of weeks ago. And that's all I've ever seen in you, is this desire to know more, be more, do more. Not for the sake of being able to brag about knowing, doing, and being but because he understands the truth that as our intimacy grows, all these other things grow. Amen? So how? So as we grow in our fruitfulness, our prayers for increased fruitfulness should increase. God, give me greater fruitfulness give me the ability to hold on to be tenacious to walk in peace to live godly to have the proper godly attitudes to have the right spirit to be a person of love joy happiness long suffering patience give me the ability to do all of those things and then tomorrow greater than I did today and in that we see a model if you will for the elements of fruitful prayer in Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 18, 19, and 20 read like this. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So he gives in verse 18 the elements, the all elements. There's several all statements in verse 18 to say what the elements of prayer. We pray with all prayer and petition. You know what that means? That means pray about all things. A petition could be any petition. What is it you desire from God? What is it you need from God? What promises in the Word of God are you believing for? Pray for those things, recognizing that God answers prayers and recognizing that sometimes your prayer doesn't have to be eloquent. I hear people say all the time, man, I, I'd love to pray, but I, I, don't know, I, I don't know what to say. Me too. 
There's times, I had a drawing on my dry erase board for about three weeks. There's times that this is what my prayers look like. I, I, I was showing somebody, I said, Dear God, and I wrote Dear God with my dry erase marker, and then I went, Amen. And you know what all this stuff in the middle was? Moanings and groanings that I had no understanding of. Because when I lay flat on my face and cry, God knows what I want. God knows what I need. He doesn't have to use big words. If you never use the word righteousness in a prayer, but you just say, God, I just want to be right. He knows what you're talking about. So we have to pray for all things. Because even in our moanings and groanings, according to Romans chapter 8, He hears us. Pray at all times. This commandment is seen throughout the Scripture. There's never a time we shouldn't be praying. We should have a constant prayer life. And you're all, Pastor Jim, even Jesus didn't have a constant prayer life. He had to, he had to get stuff done. Except that he did have a constant prayer life. Because a constant prayer life is a constant God consciousness. It doesn't mean you open your mouth and pray all the time, every day, all day, and that's all you ever do. You lock yourself into a prayer closet because that's you would never get anything done. But no matter what you're doing, you should have a God consciousness when you're doing it. Should I do this? Would this glorify God? Would this bring glory to God? Would it destroy God's glory in the eyes of the people that watch me do it? You have to have a God consciousness. And so we pray at all times, a constant prayer life. Maintain a conscious of God but he continues he says pray all times in the spirit pray at all times in the spirit we have a proclivity a tendency in full gospel churches to say any anytime you see in the spirit or pray in the spirit we think that means praying in tongues and oftentimes it does and in this it could still possibly. But it's not speaking of praying in tongues only. Because you can't pray in tongues constantly. You know what praying in the Spirit means? In this context? It means have a God consciousness and pray while being led by the Spirit of God. You guys ever had those prayers that, man, you just knew were dead before they came out of your mouth? They fell out of your mouth and hit the ground. Those are prayers that are not led by the Spirit of God. But you same people that have done that, have been in prayer, let your mouth go, opened up your heart before God, and, you, and the prayer came out of you so fast and so easy and so fluidly that you just knew that God was speaking through you. That's praying in the Spirit. We should pray at all times over, over all things while praying in the Spirit, allowing the Spirit to guide us, to direct us. God can do miraculous things through you if you'll release yourself to His Spirit in your prayer time. Mm, that's good right there. And then finally He says, and pray... For all the saints. 
which means remember your brothers. I don't know what I'd do without some of the prayers of the people in this room. Again, Brother Leonard stops by here all the time. Five minutes, prays over me and leaves. Diane doesn't know this, and I'm going to out her right now. But I've been, you guys know I've been dealing with a liver condition for a couple of years. And she has her own mouth has prayed that she die instead of me because the message that God gave me is so much more important. I don't think that's true. But let me tell you, don't forget your brothers in prayer. They need you. And you know when you should be praying for your brothers? When your brother crosses your mind. There's a song out right now called Make the Call. It's a country song. And it starts out with a Marine guy, PTSD. He had a gun in his pocket was taking it out to end his own life and his best friend called and asked him if he could come hang out. God put something in this kid's spirit that led him to pray for his brother. I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, man, this call or this email or this text message was right on time. I can't tell you how many times I've opened up a text message, an email or a call and thought, man, this is right on time. Somebody in this room called me this week I struggled this week. I told you all these dangerous prayers have been messing me up. And he called me right as I started crying and encouraged me in the Lord. Pray for your brothers. And then you will see fruitfulness. And what is the greatest fruit we can produce according to 19 and 20? The gospel message. Converts. There are people in this world that need the message that you have. I believe out of all the things that we can present before God. At the throne of God. At the feet of Jesus. Will be the people that we brought into the kingdom of God. Through a presentation of the gospel message. That's why Paul very pointedly say I'm not ashamed of the gospel because why because it is the power of God for what for salvation which is amazing which means it's our responsibility to say it but our words specifically aren't the power of God it's the gospel that is the power of God to save and how will they know if we don't tell them? Amen? So this is my hope. This is my prayer. This is what I desire more than anything today. I may desire something more tomorrow. But the thing that I want today is for us to recognize that dangerous prayers need to be prayed. We still all need to carry, if you were here for that first sermon, that's that chalk stick around in our pocket if you weren't here I, I gave an illustration about a guy that told his pastor we need to we need a revival in this place the pastor handed him a piece of chalk told him go home draw a six-foot circle around himself and he told him he said when you can get revival in that six-foot circle we'll talk about in this place 
That's not possible without intimacy. Humility is not possible without intimacy. Obedience. Perfected love. And now increased fruitfulness is impossible without intimacy. Pray these prayers with me. Believing that God answers prayers of the righteous. Amen? Amen. Can you commit to that? Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we love you. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you love us, that your word is so true, it's so pointed. God, I know that sometimes I don't hit it exactly as you'd hoped that I would. But God, thank you for your grace. I don't have the words to to say how magnificent you are. So instead, I'll just say thank you. I'll say thank you for being bigger in my life right now than you've ever been. God, I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you've given us the opportunity to be intimate with you through your Son, Jesus Christ. That we get to call you Father because our brother died on our behalf. God, you are magnificent. You are wonderful. We praise your holy name today. God, as we continue to pray these dangerous prayers, continue to do a work in us. This isn't something we're going to stop doing and start talking about something else. This is who we hope to be all the days of our life until you take us home. Continually perfect us. God, because I, don't, I want to be perfect when I see him perfectly. And I know that's only possible as I pursue you every day of my life. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We praise you. I pray a special blessing over every person in this room that is committed to stand alongside us in these prayers. Teach us to pray for one another, to be conscious of one another. We worship you, God. We praise you, and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.